everybody. This is the Comic Vine Podcast. I am Sarah, and I am here with these very, a very, very special guest, Mr. Adam Hughes, who has agreed to uh, call into our podcast and, and talk to us a little bit. How are you, Adam? I'm doing well today, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. Now that we have formalities out of the way... Um, Thank you so much for for uh, agreeing to do this. I, I had such an amazing time uh, moderating your panel, and the only unfortunate thing about all of that is that uh, I didn't get to share that with the rest of my community. So I, I'm really, really grateful that you agreed to to sort of recapture that moment. So thank you. Oh, absolutely not a problem. And uh, 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 for all the people on the podcast, I'm sorry that we will not have the uh, um, the Walking Dead kid who will come up and and and, and uh, uh, for anybody who was actually there at the panel at the uh, the next panel after our, uh, uh, the profile panel on me that Sarah uh, graciously hosted uh, was a Walking Dead panel hosted by Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman and uh, they, when you did the questions and that one kid got in the line waited his turn and then got up there to tell me how much he loved Walking Dead. I thought I was in the twilight zone. I was like, I was like uh, that, that's great. I, I don't know why you're telling me right? that. And, uh, oh, uh, my gosh. It was, I, felt, I felt a little bad for him. And you said you mentioned uh, afterward that people kept coming up to you and saying, oh, that was a riot, right? Yes, I spent the... Because, <laughs> you know, everybody, everybody, God bless their little hearts, everybody thinks that they're the first person to come up with the joke. So about 29 people during the rest of WonderCon came up to me and said, dude... Adam, totally love Walking Dead. It's your best work. And, you know, by Sunday afternoon, I was just like, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll try to recreate some of that magic here today. Well, let's hope we, we do it justice. Um, All right. We'll, we'll start with a couple easy questions first. Then we'll get into the really juicy stuff. Um, what I didn't get to ask you during the panel was uh, what, what, what made you decide to go into comics in the first place? I know that you didn't have any traditional training you didn't go to art school and and you're basic you're basically self-taught correct that's correct well still in the process of (laughs) self-instruction i I don't think i'll ever finish but uh, no i couldn't uh couldn't afford to go to college uh wasn't smart enough to get a scholarship and wasn't you know sort of you know ethnic enough to get a grant so i was just kind of stuck in in uh blue collar america and i uh uh I don't know if it was a decision uh, to, um, you know, like I, you know, I didn't wake up one day and point a finger at the skies like a founding father and go, I shall be a comic book artist. It was, it was one of those things where you, you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, you are qualified for nothing else. You really can't even flip a good burger and you should stick with what you know, you know, um, you know, man know thyself as they say. And I knew that the one thing I, I could, probably do a decent job at was draw mm-hmm. and um I, I i really loved comics like all of us do and i assume you and me and anybody listening to this love <laughs> comics and uh, it was just a matter of okay well how do i do this and i uh pursued it i don't know if i pursued it vigorously because i was so um uh, I was so down on myself as an artist. I mean, uh, for the first probably five or six years of my professional career, which started when I was 19, when people would come up and pay me a compliment, I would actually correct them and tell them why they were wrong. And I would point out all their 
all their mistakes that their eyeballs had made in liking my artwork. And uh, uh, since then, I've 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 allowed the, the 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 ego to grow a little bit. And when people pay you a compliment, you you graciously accept it. Uh, I was so concerned with getting better as an artist that I wasn't pursuing it quite as as uh, as hard as I could. Uh, but I accidentally stumbled into my first work, um, you know, in in 1987. So uh, not really a conscious decision on my part. It was one of those sort of things where, well, what else are you going to do? Mm-hmm. That's that's a really interesting thing to just kind of fall into, though. I mean, I know that so many people work so hard to just break into the industry as an artist, and it, it, it's is. Would you say it's something that sort of just fell in your lap? Yes, it did, and it, it has nothing to do with with me or my skill level. It has to do with the right time and the right place. Mm-hmm. Which it, it's terrible when you tell somebody that who wants something very very much that um, you know it's going to be like winning the lottery. Uh, I was. I was very fortunate, and you know, when I was born and when I was a teenager, uh, the you know the timing was right. The the, the, the mid 1980s was a boom period for comics. Um, until until the image, you know, age of comics in the 1990s, which totally shifted the comics universe on its axis. I I, I noticed that comics always did better in even numbered decades. Mm-hmm. Comics' best decades were the 40s, the 60s, and the 80s. And they always had rough times. Like, the, you know, in the 30s, the comics were just being born. You know, it was sort of, you know, birth pains. You know, it was, it was, it was a fetal time for comics. The 50s, you know, the, 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 the whole Comics Code Authority and the, the, the whole seduction of the innocent thing. Mm-hmm. And then in the 70s, there was the, the, the infamous Im- comics implosion where the industry almost folded in on itself. I mean, you tell kids nowadays... And I like being a geezer and saying, oh, I love telling kids stuff, you know, (laughs) sitting on my porch and, you know, hey, you kids, get off of my lawn. Um, But in the 70s, (laughs) you know, the X-Men were selling so poorly that they were bi-monthly and they were reprints. They weren't even producing new X-Men comics in the mid-1970s. That's how bad comics were doing. So the 80s being one of those even-numbered decades was, was awesome. I mean, it was an amazing time. Anybody with... You know, two thousand dollars and a dream could self-publish their own black and white comics, and that's mm-hmm. where you know it's where the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came from. And um, I actually worked one of my first jobs at a, at a high school was working in a comic book shop, so I sold a lot of these books. And um, there were so many books being published, and y- y- you know, you didn't have to worry about getting into the industry by getting hired by one of the major companies because you had the big two: you had Marvel and DC, and then you had all the independent companies like. You had a Dark Horse and Kamiko and First Comics and Eclipse and Pacific Comics. And then you had all these other tiny little little publishers that would just put out a little black and white book. And you could get work anywhere. It was real easy. And I'm sorry to, sorry to tell people that because I'm sure it must be pretty tough nowadays. Yeah, especially with the decline of, uh, of the industry. I mean, um, and speaking of that... Um, I don't know if you if you've heard, but I'm, I'm sure you probably have heard uh, that Dark Horse had to let a, a few people go this week, which is kind of a shocker because I I always considered Dark Horse to be this pretty prominent um, publishing house. Even though I mean they're not the big two, but they're still they're still pretty big. And um, how, how do you feel that the industry is changing? And do you think that? we're seeing a decline and and how how do you think it's going to evolve and affect everyone well i mean yeah it, it, it there there are going to be boom periods and they're going to be you know 
uh, there are going to be recession periods uh, in in any industry, and uh, comics has always we- comics has always weathered them. Uh, you know, there were times when com- big companies like DC were on the verge of of I- imminent collapse, and I don't think comics will ever go away. I think that people will always enjoy um, that form of serialized entertainment, uh, 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 sequential art with stories, but uh, it will change. I do think it will change, and it's the the people who are willing to adapt that are going to be able to thrive in whatever form comics takes in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, when the... uh, You know, when, when television came along, they predicted the end of radio. But we all still have radios, and nowadays we have satellite radio, and we listen. We still listen to radios in our cars. Yeah. Uh, when when the automobile came along, people predicted, well, all of a sudden horses will cease to exist. But people <laughs> still use. I was in New York a, a couple of months ago, and I almost got run over by a, a New York cop on, on a horse. On a horse, yeah. So it's like you know, comics won't go away, but they will sort of transmogrify into something not quite what they were when they started, and that's okay, because that's the essence of change. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think one of the most valuable lessons I ever learned in my life is the world you die in will not be the world you were born into. And the sooner you accept that, the, the, the easier you'll be able to function in that new world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think about my grandfather, who was born in 1915, and you know, he went to the Depression, he went through two world wars. Uh, uh, my grandfather died not believing we had landed on the moon. He believed that whole Capricorn One, you know, deal where it's like, no, we faked it. It was, it was a total, it was a total sham. You couldn't even see the stars, you know. <laughs> and, was, and I'm like, I sit and think about that because I'm actually, I'm actually a couple of weeks away from my 44th birthday, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going, okay, let's let's say I get to live, you know, into my 70s or something. What? what the hell is the world going to be like in, in, in 30 some years? Right. You know, will there still be comics? Will I still be working in them? Will I just sit there and, you know, think and, and a computer will uh, make my ideas appear in 3d, like a hologram. I who knows? Yeah. Uh, but you know, if you're prepared for it, you're okay. Now, um, seeing, seeing sort of this, this evolution of, of any industry, really, um, the evolution of comics, uh, obviously your, Artistic technique has evolved with, you know, technology. I mean, 20 years ago, we didn't have Photoshop, right? Right. So how- uh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, yes, huh? we did 20 years ago. Oh. It was it was it was the Fred Flintstone version with a little bird clicking away at a at a tablet with a hammer. But uh, 25, let's say 25 years. All right, 25 years ago, we didn't have Photoshop, but now we do. And I know that um, you do use a lot of traditional methods in in your, you know. I guess rendering of, of of any piece, but how, how do you how do you explain sort of the evolution that you have had as an artist? Uh, well, you know, my, my my evolution of an artist has always been fueled by uh, um, extreme self loathing. I've said it a million times. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, anybody who anybody who is too in love with themselves or too in love with what they produce is never going to grow mm-hmm. because growth and, and, and improvement is usually the, you know, the, the industrial byproduct of dissatisfaction. You go, okay, well, that was good, but that wasn't good enough. And as far as it comes to tools, I am and never will be a purist. 
I, 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 I respect anybody who sits there and says, I'm going to do this the way the masters did it. I'm going to paint like the Flemish masters, or I'm going to, I'm going to shoe horses the way they shoe horses back in the old days. That's fine for you. And I, I respect you for doing that. My, I'm, I'm a, I'm a mixed media life form. I firmly believe whatever it takes to get the good stuff on the page is what you do. If, if, if your artwork requires, you know, you know, watercolor paints and pencils and ketchup and human blood, whatever you need to get the job done and make it interesting, eye-catching, and thought-provoking, that's what you go for. And I always, always, always struggled with painting. I, 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 I was never good with it. I would always go, oh, I drew a nice picture, but... I tried to paint over top of it and it just looks like complete and total ass. Why did I screw that up? And when I moved to Georgia uh, in 1992, I was in a studio with Brian Stelfreeze who taught me the basics of painting, uh, taught me uh, uh, color theory, taught me how to use uh, uh, water-based acrylics and uh, use the airbrush. And I, I did okay, but I didn't do great. And it wasn't until I worked, I, I did a book for Jim Lee called Gen 13 Ordinary Heroes in, I think, around 95 or 96. And uh, um, I did that uh, because of my stellar reputation as a guy who always makes his deadlines. They told me, well, we want you to do this book, but you have to come out here and live in La Jolla, California at uh, Wildstorm Studios. And, uh, and I did because, you know, you know, I'm... I'm a bourgeois white boy from New Jersey. I've only seen the sun set on something as glamorous as the Delaware River. Uh, <laughs> actually going to Southern California and living there for a few months was in heaven. Mm -hmm. But I, actually, I would actually moonlight every night. Uh, when I would get done working, I would go down to Wildstorm Effects, which was the suite where they would color all the Wildstorm books. Mm -hmm. And I would actually just sit there and say, okay, so how does Photoshop work? How do you do this? How do you do that? And uh, those guys gave me my, um, uh, my, my Photoshop 101 training. And when I came back to uh, to Atlanta, Georgia, where I, I live, um, I've, I've never turned back. I think I've done maybe three real paintings since 1996. I love I love working in the digital media, and it's it's not because it's better. Mm -hmm. It's not because it's um, uh, has more advantages over traditional techniques. It's just because of me personally, I responded well to it. All the struggling that I had with regular traditional painting application techniques went away and I was just like okay I can pencil something I can ink something I can scan it into the computer and I can color it and it just felt like you know just you know it's like buttered lightning from beginning to end it was just mm -hmm. a smooth process and I loved it um, now you the reason you're in Georgia I mean I'm, I'm sure you like it and you, you like the peaches but uh, you were also part of is it how do you pronounce this Gaijin? Gaijin Studios, yeah, okay, I was, I was uh, um, more or less one of the founding members of Gaijin Studios, and I left around 2003, 2004, because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was sort of the college that I never went to, it was the college experience, I was with all these great artists, um, you know, Brian Stelfreeze, Cully Hamner, Dave Johnson, mm -hmm. Carl Story, Jason Pearson, Joe Phillips, just, just these great guys, and I learned something from every one of them. And, you know, when the day comes where you're going, okay, I'm not really learning anything. I'm just kind of like, you know. Coasting. Just, what's that? Coasting, sort of. I'm just, yeah, I'm just kind of coasting. I'm showing up every day, and, you know, morning Sam, morning Ralph. And um, um, uh, that coupled with the fact that I was getting tired of being an apartment dweller, I wanted to buy my own home. 
uh, I was like, okay, well, paying guys in rent every month might not be the best thing for that particular life plan. But, uh, you know, I, as a comic book artist, I can live anywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just decided I really do enjoy Georgia. So, uh, um I bought my home here, but I, I, I really love the time that I had at Gaijin, and I, 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 every one of those guys, I, I, I stripped them bare for, for whatever they knew, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I like to think that for as much as we, you know, beat each other up and, 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 and fought and yelled at each other, we also had a lot of great times, and we all sort of, you know, mutually benefited each other. Now, it, they closed its store, uh, it closed its stores in April of last year, um, were you was it sort of a, a bittersweet for you, even though you hadn't been there since two thousand three, to know that something that you started with those guys um, had to come to an end, or were you like, okay, it was time, and there was? I don't. I don't think it, it's come to an end. I think. I think the pause button has just been hit. You know, we're all we're all in the middle of the Great Recession, and uh, everybody needs to sort of tighten their belts. And you know, in Dark Horse's case, they have to let a few people go. And you know, the the guys at Gaijin Studios had to go. Okay, well, all of us. You know, maybe we should all just work out of our homes for a little while until uh, until the dust settles economically. And uh, I think you know, the minute. The minute the, the time is right, guys in studios will come back, and uh, you know Brian and Cully and Carl and those guys will, you know, just you know reopen the doors, and it'll it'll be like nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you you sort of always liked comic books, right? Yeah. Okay. So as a, as a kid, you know, growing up, which so which was your first comic that you've ever read, and um, which is your favorite? And uh, is there is there one that you told yourself, I wish I could draw this comic book, and then you finally did it? Mm, good question. Um, I'm one of those lucky people. I can actually remember my first comic because my first comics were hand-me-downs from my older cousins. <laughs> uh, they had grown up in the in the '60s. Uh, uh, one of them was even a, a, an original first-generation hippie. God bless his soul. <laughs> and wh- they handed me uh, this big box of comics when I was over when I went over to my my aunt and uncle's house one day. And uh, I'm looking through the comics, and I was like, Oh my God, this is great! What they didn't know was like, uh, what, what, you know, my aunt and my uncle and my mother didn't know was at the bottom of the comics were a bunch of national lampoons, and there was, you know, oh, <laughs> there was no. naked students naked women in a bunch of them so like there i am like four years old or five years old and i was like oh look a boob (laughs) and my mom smacked it out of my hand like i was holding a a smoking revolver um but my first comic was fantastic Four eighty one, and i i to this day it's it's still one of my favorite comics it's one of those you know you ever have one of those days where the, the 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 creative juices aren't flowing and you need to tap into what it was that fired your 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 imagination when you were a kid i can go back to ff81 and it just makes me feel like you know i'm I'm just a kid again and um i wish i had the original that, that they gave me but it's it's been lost in a uh, a sad and disastrous sewage accident oh, no. and uh i lost all my comics as a kid when the, the 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 sewage mains in my hometown backed up and every home on the hill just filled up with sewage oh my gosh, and uh terrible. when they uh, yeah, uh, uh, and it was like all my all my awesome comics as a kid, and uh, actually, you know, going to c- conventions as a professional over like the last twenty years or so. If I come across uh, one of the comics that I had as a kid, I buy it again. I go, mm-hmm. I want to ma- I want to get that again. Mm-hmm. And uh, but FF eighty one was the first. It was when Crystal joined the Fantastic Four to replace the pregnant Sue Richards. Uh, I remember there was um, Tales of Suspense. I think it was sixty five. 
which was, you know, the, the half Iron Man, half Captain America, and they were, uh, uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby were doing World War II Captain America stories. And I remember it was The Secret Origin of the Red Skull. Mm-hmm. And when I was five, it just scared the crap out of me. Just the Red Skull's face was just, it's you know. Scary. It's scary. It's really creepy, isn't it? It's really creepy. And, I, and when I saw... The I, when I saw the way Hugo Weaving looks in the Captain America movie that's set to come out this summer, I was like, okay, okay, that looks like Jack's uh, uh, Red Skull. Okay, I got, I've got some hopes. This was pretty good because that yeah. actually fired the goosebumps on my arms. I was like, that feels like the real deal. Um, as far as as far as a comic that I wished I had done, that 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 didn't happen until I became a grown up. That until I became a working comics professional and I would read a book that. I looked at it and go, oh my goodness gracious! I wish I wish somebody had come to me with that. I, I wish I wish that the artist who was drawing that book had had like a crippling case of mono that summer, and they they needed me as a backup because I wished I'd drawn that project. All the comics I read as a kid, those were made by gods. Mm-hmm. They were not produced by human beings. They were actually <laughs> made by the most unbelievable people. And I was like, I never dreamed that I could do something like that. So I I lived in too much awe of it. I will say that. Um, I was one of the first generation of X-Men fans when the X-Men became, you know, the new, all new, all different X-Men, you know, with Wolverine, Colossus, Nightcrawler, and Storm and all that. And I did get to, I did get to do an X-Men book. It was a crossover with the Wildcats from Wildstorm, and I got to do one of the uh, installments of that. And because each installment took place in a different era of the X-Men, uh, I was really lucky because I got to do the X-Men that I read when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I remember, because that was, that was the, that was like the first it was Dave Cockrum and then it was John Byrne. And I remember reading an interview with John Byrne at the time, and John Byrne lamented the fact that, you know, he loved drawing the X-Men, but he lamented the fact that it wasn't the X-Men that he grew up with, which was the original Cyclops, Iceman, right. Angel, Beast, and Marvel Girl. Yeah. And as a, as a kid, I was like... Blasphemy! I mean, Nightcrawler is the coolest character ever. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, why could you not want to draw Colossus all the time? And when I grew older, and you know, the X Men nowadays, I look at them and I go, I don't know. It's like going back to your high school. I was like, yeah. I looked around, I look around at the X Men nowadays, and I go, I have no idea who any, who of, these any people of these are. guys are. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly how I feel about um, Hope and or Generation Hope because it's an X Men book and it's all these younger X-Men characters and I'm like I, I don't know I just can't get into this you know it's just not I just don't get it so I I, I understand there's there's nothing there's nothing that will drive a comics fan to the bottle faster than that moment when you realize the next generation of comics fans have come along and the companies are producing books for them mm-hmm. and you're standing there going wait a minute wait why, why aren't you making comics for me anymore yeah I'm still here yeah, and you know it's 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 a sobering, sobering moment, and you go, oh, and because you know, after a while, after forty years of the characters going through the same histrionics, if you actually add them up, if you actually add all the the nightmare that Peter Parker had in his life, or you, you add up all of the the the, the love interest that Batman has had, you're going, mm-hmm. nobody could have that much in one lifetime and still be sane. <laughs> You know, these characters, they, they, they exist before us and they exist after us. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, when I was, um, I, d- I did the covers for Wonder Woman for about five years. And, uh, you know, fans really hated the way I drew Wonder Woman's boots. They really didn't like the way I drew Wonder Woman's shoes. And my response to all of them was, Wonder Woman was around before my mother was born. And Wonder Woman will be around long after we're all dead. Mm-hmm. If you don't like the way I do it, 
you know, sit down, you know, unlax, rewind. I'll be gone before you know it, and the next person will come along, and maybe they'll draw her shoes right. Right, exactly. And speaking of Wonder Woman, you've, uh, you've drawn many of uh, DC's big female characters. Which which is the best? Do, 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 do you mean popular or buxom? Ah, uh, well, I guess both. I mean, if you're drawing them, they're usually a, a, they're they're usually a buxom, I, right? Uh, I I take I take offense at that remark, madam. Uh, <laughs> I, I I try to draw a, a variety of body types on my characters. No, I you say. you do you do. Yeah, I'm I'm saying that like red face with my fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've been really lucky. Um, it's it's good when you're good at something and and when people will want to hire you to do that one thing mm-hmm. and i guess for me it's drawing uh it's just drawing pretty girls yeah so um so so I, do you have a favorite do i have a favorite it's got to be catwoman really it's got to be Cat- and i feel like i'm cheating on wonder woman um <laughs> but uh it's it, cuz like i i have to cuz one of the reasons why i'm so slow uh-huh. is Hang on one second. Sorry, uh, I'm. It's a it's a lovely day here in Georgia, and I'm sitting on my back porch, enjoying a cigar while we talk. Wow, and, uh, that is that is the life. <laughs> I yes. tell yeah. And technically, technically, Adam's making air quotes right now, kids. Technically, I'm working. This is an awesome day. Um, and my dogs are laying here with me. It's a good day. Oh, but um, I have to fall in love with a character to do a good job with that character I have to and if, it's, you know, if you fall in love with them when you're a kid and you grow up you grow up and you get to draw them it's already done mm-hmm. but if it's a character that you never had an attachment to when you were younger and now you're an adult you're a professional there's a period and it's, it's really weird it's like this bizarre dating period the first five or six covers it's like that dating period where you're getting to know you're getting to know this person <laughs> and then once you start to figure them out you're going oh okay I could have a relationship with this person mm-hmm. that's, that's really how it is when I'm doing covers for um, for these characters like if, if you see a cover of mine that, that, that truly and, and absolutely sucks it's because I had no idea what to do with that character mm-hmm. I had no idea who he or she was and I couldn't you know, I couldn't I couldn't come up with something to convey what that character is about, and uh, I'd enjoyed Wonder Woman as a kid. Uh, the, the the Wonder Woman television show with Linda Carter was on TV when I was younger. Um, I I actually was uh, uh, interviewed for one of the Wonder Woman DVDs. Um, the, the, the when they released the DVDs of the Linda Carter show, they got all these Wonder Woman professionals together at one San Diego, and they interviewed us. And you know, I combed my hair and I brushed my teeth, and they asked us questions. And you will see virtually none of the things I said because, unfortunately, I am my mother's son, and I am a professional smartass, and oh, all my answers were way too over the top. And the the woman interviewing us, and she was a very you know, you know, authoritative you know you know you know woman of the of the 21st century, a, uh-huh. a feminist, and she's you know, uh, uh, creative and strong, and her crew was made up entirely of guys, you know, and she sits down and she's asking uh, uh, these questions, and very soulful, like Oprah-like questions, and she says, tell us what the Wonder Woman television show meant to you, oh and I said, gosh. well, I was, I was 11 years old when it came out, so I think it jump-started puberty, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and she just looked at me, and I actually saw the, the boom mic over my head shaking because the, the, the sound guy was laughing, and he was uh-huh. trying not to laugh out loud. You know, but it's true. You know, uh, you know, Wonder Woman. Anybody who who grew up in in the seventies, the, the Wonder Woman television show, Friday night was like the the thing you waited for all weekend long. Oh my God, Linda Carter and Wonder Woman. Um, 
so you know, working on Wonder Woman was great. But when I when I got to the Catwoman cover assignment, I'd always been a Batman fan. Every little boy comes out of the womb loving Spider-Man and loving Batman. Right. Every every other comic book. I don't know how it is for girls, but. For, for, for little boys, I, I honestly think, much like caveman writings on walls, there are Batman and Spider-Man comics on our mother's tombs. <laughs> and because and, every, every little boy comes out knowing, knowing how Spider-Man works and wanting to dress up as Batman on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Wanting to be Batman. So, what's that? Wanting to be Batman. Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, and I mean, it's not like you're sitting there like uh, five years old going, I want somebody would kill my mom so I could be inspired <laughs> to fight crime. Oh, my but, gosh. Uh, but but um, I, I've been a Batman fan, and you know, of course, Catwoman's a major part of the Batman mythology. But I'd never actually had a connect with Catwoman, and it wasn't until uh, the, the the Ed Brubaker Darwin Cook Catwoman series that I kind of went, oh, oh, this is Catwoman. Mm-hmm. You know, finally somebody came along who, who who sat me down and said, okay, okay, Adam, this is what this character is like, and this is her relationship with with the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And I went, this is. This is amazing. What a great character. So that when DC offered me the covers, I was like, I know who this, this lady is. I think I have a pretty good idea. And, you know, I was able to do some fairly decent covers with her. And um, I'm sorry that the run got cut short. I was kind of, I had a, I felt like I was just hitting my stride. And we had some, re- had some really good ideas for some, uh, some great Catwoman covers coming down the road. And, you know, you never know what the future holds. But, yeah, yeah. Long, long answer, Catwoman's my favorite. And uh, you, you, you sort of use Audrey Hepburn, uh, the, the actress Audrey Hepburn, as artistic inspiration for what Catwoman yeah. looks like to you. Yeah. And um, uh, is, that, is, that a, is that a question or an accusation? That, no, that, that, I, I, guess, <laughs> I, guess, I guess why, why her? I mean, uh, what, what characteristics in, in Audrey do you feel sort of match up with, with uh, Selena? Well, it's, they're all physical. Uh-huh. Um, they're all physical characteristics because um, I've, I've always said that, like, you know, my, my take on Selena Kyle is, like, 70% you know, Audrey Hepburn from Roman Holiday, um, 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 20% Elizabeth Taylor from Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, mm-hmm. and 10% uh, Trinity from the first Matrix movie. That's great. And... Um, I just I have a problem because because of that whole thing I was telling you about where I never really really am satisfied with anything. I never can draw things the same way twice. Mm-hmm. I would be the world's worst animator. And I, uh, one of the things I learned early on, I, I did Justice League uh, as my first gig for DC Comics, and I took the the job. Uh, the baton was sort of passed to me from Kevin McGuire over Ty Templeton's head and, and panned it on to me. And I was talking to Kevin on my first, you know, day as the as the, as the artist, and uh, I said, Kevin, is there any advice you can give me on on, on drawing the Justice League characters? And he rattled off mm-hmm. all the people that he thought of when he was working on the Justice League characters, and it really, really helped. And it never occurred to me that you could base a character, either emotionally or literally. Uh, on either someone you knew or a celebrity or a famous historical figure to sort of give you a, a, an emotional connect. And I did my first couple of Catwoman covers. And I was like, okay, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that, you know, Darwin Cook, Selena Kyle vibe. I'm, I'm doing okay. I was watching, I think it was either Sabrina or Funny Face one day. Mm-hmm. I just happened to be on TV, and I kind of went, yeah, that sort of 1950s, you know, chic lounge vibe, that, that 1950s, you know, short black hair with the really, you know, 
you know, wonderful eyebrows and the, the you know, the, 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 the full lips and the Roman nose. It's like, that's a good look for Selena. Mm-hmm. So I started messing around with it and it just, it just, it felt right. The, the first time I did it. And I will admit that it's, it's bit me in the butt a couple of times because, you know, you don't want people to sit there and go like point at your Catwoman cover and go, Oh look, it's Audrey Hepburn. You yeah. go, actually it's, it's Selena Kyle. She just resembles her. Um, so it's like, uh, 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 unfortunately, you know, doing that a lot, I've, I've, I've become, uh, a little too skilled at portraiture <laughs> and, uh, so like now I've learned to dial it back. Like right now I'm working on Zatanna covers and mm-hmm. you know people are like, well, who are you going to base Zatanna off of? And I'm like, no, no one. Just her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, um, but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and, you know, the funny thing was I wasn't really a big Audrey Hepburn fan before I started. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, as I was working on it, I would buy Audrey Hepburn movies to go, okay, well, let me, you know, see if, you know, she's got a little bit of that Selena vibe in any of her films. And she sort of does in this one movie called How to Steal a Million, where she plays somebody who's robbing. Right. Uh, but uh, I just, I've, she's my favorite actress in the universe now. I've, I've watched all of her movies, and I just, like, just, I'm, I'm the world's biggest fan. So, like, you know, Catwoman actually brought me into something that I really, really enjoy in my movies. So, Is it, is it strange for you to see uh, other artistic interpretations of Selena Kyle? that don't look like yours, Selena Kyle? Is it sort of like this weird, that's not her thing? Like, not, not, and I don't mean that as, like, a criticism of that artist, but is it strange for you after having drawn her for so long? No, if I had originated the character, maybe. But, but I, like I said before, I, I firmly understand my place in the middle of the bookshelf. Mm-hmm. I know that I am neither the alpha nor the omega of any of these characters. And it's just one of those things where you're, you're granted the stewardship of something that other people enjoy. And you're, and you're granted it for a limited time. And you have to do the best with it as you can. And if you're lucky, you'll do something memorable. Mm-hmm. I, when, I, I, when I look at it, I mean, I, I love Darwin Cook's Selena Kyle. I think she's absolutely just so much fun to look at and to read and to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 and I enjoy that. I, I, I liken it, and this is going to sound really weird, I, it's the difference between um, Hamlet and Mr. Spock. And, you know, there's something about Hamlet where you go, it, it's, in, it's open to interpretation. They invite people to come in and, like, do you want to play him like he's crazy? Do you want to play him like he's sane with a master plan? Mm-hmm. There's no bad interpretation of Hamlet. It's, it's open to doing something. Whereas, you know, up until the Star Trek reboot, you go, no, nobody can play Mr. Spock. He belongs to Leonard Nimoy. You know, you can't mm-hmm. do a... A, a different version of that character. And of course now they're doing it, so they've sort of broken the seal on that one. But there are certain characters like like Batman and of course anybody under the Batman umbrella that you know, I mean you, you know, you're a Batman fan. What's what's your what's your favorite version of Batman? Uh, my favorite version of Batman is the Kevin Conroy version of Batman. Okay. So yeah, from so- the animated series. Okay, and that that's a hundred percent legitimate version. But you go, okay, well, okay, that's that's sort of the um, the the that's the short-eared Batman. You used to think, well, what about the the Neil Adams Batman or the 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 Bernie Wrightson one who had like you know like antennas almost because his ears right. are so high. Yeah. Uh, some, you know, it's like Batman actually dares you and defies you to to do him differently every time. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, it's and, like uh, Jim Lee's Batman is so so different from. I, I don't know. Um, man, my my brain is not working. Uh, oh, never good for a podcast. No, uh, never never good, never good for a podcast. Um, I don't know. Cameron Stewart's 
Batman is so different from Jim Lee's Batman, who is so different from, you know, who, whoever else draws Batman. It's, it's just, I mean, those two examples are totally different interpretations. But, I, I mean, it's, I know as a fan, it's, it's sometimes a little bit strange for me to be reading a comic and then seeing um, a character that I really like, but they don't, they don't look like they should look. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. To sure. me, I don't know. No, it's it's it's, and that's that's one of the things is um, th- that as a fan, you have to have an open mind. Um, anytime you become so sort of cemented into you know your worldview or your favorite characters and your favorite stories, you can you know you can do yourself a disservice because you're kind of closing your closing your heart and you're closing your mind off to something that might be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that I. Um, you know, what everybody, anybody that knows me knows that one of my favorite things in the universe is Star Wars. I grew up on Star Wars. And, um, you know, Star Wars has outgrown me. Star Wars is so far gone beyond anything that I thought Star Wars was, was going to be. Um, you know, people ask me, hey, do you watch the Clone Wars? Did you catch the latest episode of the Clone Wars? And I go, I, I can't get into it. It doesn't really feel like Star Wars to me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, a lot of hard people, a lot of people are working on it hard. I don't want any of them to feel bad, but I've given it uh, like a dozen good tries. Episodes that people say, you've got to watch this one episode. And I'll watch it and I'll go, I miss Luke Skywalker. I miss Han Solo and Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, but I don't, I don't sit there and go, oh, it's, that's not Star Wars. That's, you know, no, it's Star Wars for somebody else. It's Star Wars for a different group of fans. And, um, you know, that's how I feel like when I see somebody else draw, um, um, I, that's how when I see somebody else draw like Catwoman or Wonder Woman, I go, you know, I, I cry a little. It's like seeing somebody else kind of, you know, snog your wife. But uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, oh, Selena's spending time with somebody, somebody else, you know. But you, you, you know, I, I go, well, and I, to be honest, I love it when somebody comes along and does something that I never even thought of. When I sit there and go, oh wow, look at that. Never occurred to me to approach the character that way. Look at that. That's just outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It's it's not it's not rough at all. It's not rough at all. I wish I was still working on her full time, but uh, um, you know I'm sure uh, I'm sure she's in good hands. Whoever's whoever's manhandling her right now. <laughs> manhandling. Um, speaking of Selena, she's she's going to be in the next Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is that something of interest to you, or are you just not really? Yes, I am extremely interested because, like I like every other intelligent, kind-hearted person in the world loved The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. What did you think of The Dark Knight? I, I liked it. I thought, it I thought it was good. No, I thought, I thought it was good. Um, I, 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 I thought it was fantastic. I it's the best Batman movie we've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about being open-minded about different interpretations is I would never, ever accuse the Christopher Nolan Batman universe of being definitive. Um, I, I, I tend to, I tend to agree with people that, that feel that the Batman animated series nailed Batman best. Um, but for what they were going for in the, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, I'm going, wow, this is a really unique take on these characters. Um, um, you know, no, I don't like the bat suit. No, I really think somebody should give Chris, Christian Bale a lozenge. Or, or or some throat spray because that 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 His broken Batman glass voice, voice is just bad. You know, it's like it was great in the first one where he would use it when he was trying to scare criminals. But the fact that he's like, you know, I would like somebody's tea. <laughs> you know, it's like he's using it all the time, and you're like, dude, just normal voice, normal yeah. inside voice. Yeah. Um, but you know, 
I, I really, really just, I, I remember sitting there, when, you know, you know, 2008 was a great summer because, you know, after, um, uh, after Iron Man, you know, like, I, I want one good movie per summer. I want one, excuse me, one good movie per year where you take one of my favorite things and you make a darn good movie out of it. And, you know, the Iron Man movie, I was like, wow, that, that's like the best Iron Man movie anybody could make. You couldn't do a better job than, than what they did with that Iron Man movie. I don't need anything else this year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a couple months later, I went to see Dark Knight. And I, I remember turning to a friend of mine halfway through the movie and, is this really good or is this just me? And um, I, I, I love, I don't know about you, but I love those moments in movies where you just, you're just like a kid again. And all of a sudden, everything is amazing. Mm-hmm. And just the bit where the Batmobile's wrecked. And Batman, you know, the front tires turn into the into the bat pod. Mm-hmm. Pardon my French, I shit myself. I turned <laughs> to my old roommate and I was like, "Fuck all this! The front wheels are the bat cycle." You know, we were like, we were so on top. Like, we were like, "This is the best thing ever." Mm-hmm. So, uh, when a film when the film ended, we were talking about what are they going to do for the third one? What are they going to do for the third one? And I remember saying, "I hope they don't do." girlfriend number four right because one of the things that i thought really sucked about the the tim burton era batman films was every film batman would fall in love with a regular working girl a a normal white collar she's a reporter she's a an accountant she's a this or that and at some point in the third act alfred would go okay i gotta take her behind the clock take her downstairs and show her the secret (laughs) right and and you're like wow you know by the by the fourth film you're going batman's got a lot of girls out there who know who he is yeah right and after the the fact that they built the uh, um the rachel character over two films and then killed her as part of the sort of the the creation of two-face which I was, I loved. I love it when they when they actually do something over the course of films and allow it to percolate. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't. You can't. If, I mean, we, you and I both know that the studio is always well. There's got to be a love interest. Right. I don't know about. I don't know about you. I've never in my life ever felt that Batman. You know, I never looked at a Batman movie or a comic or a cartoon and said, you know, there should be more kissing. There, there's yeah. not enough punching, uh, but there's not enough kissing. Yeah. And. Um, Batman, I don't know about you, Batman doesn't need it for me. Batman does not need romance to be a fully rounded story. Oh, no, absolutely not. I I completely agree with you. As much as I love the relationship between Selena Kyle and and Bruce Wayne, I think that the reason that it it remains interesting and it's something that could work is because she doesn't need him either, you know? And uh, I think that that's sort of the dynamic. They don't need each other, but... It's nice when it happens. Well, and, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's sort of the example of, like, you know, that's the whole Sam and Diane thing from Cheers. It's like, it's great when they're building towards it, but if they actually, if, if, if they settle down, you're kind of like, well, that's kind of dull now. Yeah, ex- yeah, that's exactly right. That's how I you know, like, it, too. You know, like, a courtship is fun to watch. Mm-hmm. More often than not, a marriage is not fun to watch. A marriage is fun to be in, but a marriage, like, in a TV show or a movie, or you're just like, yeah, okay, uh, yeah. who picked up the kids, you know, at the pool. Um and uh, um, and I remember saying after Dark Knight, going, you know, they they need to go to Catwoman. They need to put Catwoman in the next movie because, um, especially because they're doing this sort of Green Hornet thing where Batman is now a wanted criminal. Batman is actually taking has taken on the crimes of Harvey Dent, mm-hmm. um, uh, so that Harvey Dent's name is not besmirched. And uh, you know, if Batman is going to you know you know sort of like basically not mind you know the world seeing him as an underworld figure, the only place he's going to find you know somebody to you know 
uh, and ironically, on a tree in my backyard, a red robin has just landed on a branch. <laughs> uh, the, uh, you know, Batman's only going to find somebody to sort of like, you know, cuddle with in the underworld. And it's like, well, who fits that bill? That, that's, that bill is fit by Selena Kyle. Right. And uh, so, like, that, that made me go, okay, I'm happy to see it in the next movie. You know, it's like Anne Hathaway is a good choice, you know, um, uh, uh, much in the same way as Christian Bale or, um, you know, Michael Caine, you go, okay, maybe they're not the definitive choice for, for us lifelong Batman fans, but they're a really good, interesting, in that sort of Hamlet way. This is a neat interpretation. Mm-hmm. And um, am I rambling yet? Oh, no, you're fine. Okay, good. Um, the uh, 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 So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with her. As long as they don't put her in, like, like, like the, the, the purple dress i i want the black the black leather bodysuit with the goggles what what about the what about the the tail didn't she have a tail at one point um she yeah she yeah well i i remember she had a tail in the uh in 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 batman year one the miller and mazzucchelli one where she just had like this like gray you know like unitard and um you know she she did have an actual tail um uh I, I i i was kind of pleased with myself when i did the whole she wraps you know darwin had come up with the thing where she wraps the, her her whip around her waist and that's actually her belt mm-hmm. and then one day i i drew it and like i left the the handle of the tail hanging down low and i was like oh that actually or the handle of the whip and i was like that actually looks like a a a, a, a cat tail mm-hmm. i should I should do that more often. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, who knows? Uh, I, I, I don't think she needs the, the, the tail to have that cat silhouette. I think as long as she's got the, um, the ears and the claws, that's, that's good enough for a cat woman. Yeah, I, I think I, I like her costume the way that it is. Um, Did you, have you seen any of the pictures from the uh, um, Arkham City game that's coming out later this year? Yeah, those are, that, that's great. Those are really great. I really liked them. I thought they were I think, cool. Uh, I'm like, I was like, okay, if, if, if we're going to keep the uh, keep the whole Darwin Cook outfit al- alive, I think we're, you know, the game's doing it, and I hope the movie does it too. Yeah, that would be great. I don't, I know you're you're cool with Anne Hathaway. I'm not so much. She's just, I don't know. I, I keep I keep thinking about Princess Diaries, and that's that's the only I can't get a, I can't get a, like past it. Do you so ever see? A, uh, um, do you ever see Get Smart? No, I, I didn't see Get Smart. She she plays a badass in that, and there's this one scene where she actually gets into a fight with a, a couple of secret agents, and she is all leg. I mean, she's just you know from her from her you know clavicle down, it's all leg, mm-hmm. and she she's in a, in a in a ball gown or like a like a slinky cocktail dress, and she throws this crescent kick on this guy, and I was like, where did that leg come from? That mm-hmm. leg was nine feet long. <laughs> um, and you know, uh, yeah, you know, but again, it's like I said with the. Uh, um, you know, like with Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne, not the way I would depict them, not in my mind definitive, but still an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 the one thing I like about the Anne Hathaway choice is Anne Hathaway has a 1940s or 1950s beauty about her. She does feel like an actress from the golden age of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going, okay, it'd be kind of cool if they found an Audrey Hepburn lookalike. I wouldn't have caused a ruckus over that. Mm-hmm. But they went, they didn't go with. They didn't go with, like, the flavor of the month girl, whoever is, like, the hottest thing on, you know, TMZ right now. They actually said, let's go for somebody that, that evokes something. So uh, the one thing about the, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies is I, 
uh, especially after their depiction of the Joker, I will remain open-minded until the day the movie comes out. Yeah. They've, yeah. Actually, they've actually earned my trust. <laughs> so I will sit there and go, okay, what do you got? Mm-hmm. Now, um, I mean, you've done so many covers, especially over your, I guess you've been with DC Comics for 20 years now, right? Uh, forever, yes. Yeah. So, um, what, which one is your favorite? Do you have a favorite? And can you... A favorite cover? Yeah, that you've done. <sighs> um, it might be... See, the Power Girl floating in the clouds from the JSA classified number one. Oh, that's a good uh, one. Where she's sort of that, looking down. Yeah, she's just kind of mm-hmm. like, you know... It looks like she's relaxing, like, just on a bed, but you realize she's actually 8,000 feet in the air. Yeah. Um, either that one or Catwoman 51, which was the uh, um, uh, the mugshot cover. That's a really good one, too. I really like that. Uh, you know, it's... Yeah. It's, it's um, you know, normally I judge things on, like, how successful, like, okay... Did I get most of what I pictured in my head onto the page? But mm. the the Catwoman Fifty One cover got so much positive response from people, and when I actually saw cosplayers walking around with with smeared mascara and wet hair, <laughs> holding holding the uh, the little identification sign when they take your mug shot, so when mm-hmm. people would take the girl's picture, I went, okay. You know, you actually transcended just, you know, slapping a, a nice image on a comic book to get people to buy it. Yeah. And you actually you sparked their imaginations. Yeah, I, I loved that. I thought it was I thought it was amazing. Um, my personal favorite is is uh, the Wonder Woman cover where all you see is the fighter pilot and she and you see her reflection. She's coming towards him. Oh, yeah. Know? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was amazing. I, I, I love I love the way that you play with, I, I don't even know how to explain it, because she's not technically, that's not a, an image of her. It's an image of her reflection. So it, it's, I, that's, that's something that I think you do really, really well, is that it's not always the most obvious image of the character, and it's, it's, it's not like the character's just sort of plastered on, on there. It's, it's, you just you, you do things that are very different, very, very cool. Well, you know, it's it's you know, those artists that are actually doing, you know, interiors full time, and then you know they they do the covers for their own books. Um, you know, they you know they're lucky. They only have to worry about nine to nine to twelve covers a year. As a professional cover artist, it's like you have to keep coming up with cool ways of doing things, and you mm-hmm. can only do so many sexy pinup shots before mm-hmm. people start to yawn. Right. And um, that was. That was that was that was an interesting one because that was the first issue of the Greg Rucker run, and they wanted something different. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I was I was pretty happy with that because it was uh, I'm a big fan of um, um, doing research. I love it when somebody presents me with an illustration problem and says, "Hey, you have to draw this." And I go, "Oh my goodness gracious, where am I going to find <laughs> like?" You know, where am I going to find like you know the the inside of a cockpit of a you know of a of a MIG? You know, and it's just um, I, I find that the, the research aspect of it can be just as fun as the drawing. Uh, but it's also an interesting compositional challenge too, because you're going, all right, well if you actually you know figured out the 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 square you know footage of this cover, Wonder Woman occupies a very small amount of that cover. Mm-hmm. How do you compose this image so that she isn't lost? Right. And, um, you know, that, that actually was another, uh, you, uh, a lot of people have responded really well to that one. Now you, you are, you have a really, really great way of capturing expression and, um, 
the I think I think the the best example uh, that people who obviously can't see the podcast because it's not available for viewing um, is the um, the DC uh, the big poster of the DC women where they're all wearing white with the exception oh, of Catwoman. Right now, there's there's a really good story. I I mean, you told me this story um, one once before, but she wasn't supposed to be in that picture. Not at all. Okay, so you take it from here. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, if anybody who's listening to this podcast, uh, um, uh, you, you you know, obviously, like somewhere near a computer, you can Google uh, the image we're talking about. It was called the um, um, the Women of the DCU poster, and DC wanted this sort of like Annie Leibovitz Vanity Fair cover of of some of their major heroines and villainesses. Um, for their summer convention season, I think it was 2008, and they were like, "I was like, okay, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get to draw a few, like all the majors, mm-hmm. all the, the the top line, you know, DC heroines and villainesses, and a couple of the ones that they're trying to push. You know, it's always about, well, who's got a mini series or who's who's going to be joining Justice League? We have to quote unquote." push them mm-hmm. and Catwoman was winding down so I was like okay Wonder Woman right yes Supergirl correct you got it Power Girl mm-hmm. Zatanna you bet and I said uh, Catwoman definitely right and they were like no oh and I went gosh. I was like you're, you're shitting me right DC Comics you're pulling my leg and they're like no Catwoman's book's ending we don't we don't feel the need to push her and I was like but it's Catwoman it's like you know your three biggest female characters are Wonder Woman Supergirl and Catwoman, right. you know, people are going to sit there and go, well, where's Catwoman? Mm-hmm. And DC just didn't want to relent. And uh, I tried. I, I actually pushed harder than I should have pushed. And there's a point where, as, as, as you, there's a point where you go, I'm just the employee. Mm-hmm. I'm just the cog in the machine. Right. You know, you don't sit there. After, after a while, you go, okay, the bosses are getting annoyed. And uh, what I decided to do was, okay, they don't want her in here. Hang on a second. Daddy needs a drag on his cigar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah. So um, I said, I'll put her all the way at the end. I'll draw her on the end. And uh, that way, when I color the piece, uh, I could just Photoshop her out. That way, on the original, she'll always be there, and my version of the piece will feature her. Mm-hmm. So I drew the piece, and you know, it, 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 it took a little while because I drew it really large. I mean, this piece was like 40 inches wide. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I had penciled and inked all the girls and I had Catwoman was still in pencil form all the way in the end. And I was running really close on the deadline. They were like, you gotta have it done by next Wednesday. And I was like, Ugh. so like Tuesday afternoon, literally 16, 17 hours before it was due. Um, <laughs> uh, they were like, how you doing on that piece? You're, you know, I was like, I, I just finished thinking and I'm getting ready to color. It's one of the reasons why it's got flat colors and not my usual, like fully rendered colors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I said, I'll take a picture. I'll take a picture with my camera and email it to you to show you that I'm working. It was around three 30 on Tuesday afternoon. And I sent the picture to them and they could see all the girls penciled and inked and then Catwoman in pencil on the side. And, uh, 20 minutes later, I got an email back from my art director, Mark Chiarello, and he said, wow, Dan, you know, you know my boss, Dan DiDio, mm-hmm. um, uh, Dan looked at it and said, you know, Catwoman looks really good on the end. Could you anchor in and add her to the piece? Aww. You win. And I, what's that? You win. 
sort of i mean i didn't go to bed that night you know it's like oh great um you know i ended up um okay spent a couple hours inking her because she had this like black latex dress on um uh you know i uh i called in some friends to help me flat the piece now for anybody that doesn't understand when you're computer coloring uh, a line art illustration in photoshop the first thing you do is you you do flat colors no rendering you just go flesh tones here's the colors of their costume here's the color of her hair background once you have all the flat colors and then you can go grab those individual areas of flat color and render them if you so desire mm -hmm. that's called flatting a lot of colorists like laura martin or other people will pay somebody to flat for them because it's basically assistant work mm -hmm. and uh, i got two of my friends who knew how to flat to come over um, we stayed up all night. They, I actually cut the piece in half in Photoshop, gave one half to one friend, one half to another friend. They're flatting it while I'm finishing inking Catwoman. Uh, when it was done, I scanned her in, added her to the piece, and just colored like a maniac all night. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's the reason why, one, she's wearing a black dress, and two, why she's got a really bitchy look on her face. Mm -hmm. Because when they told me, you know, we want all the characters and we want them to all be in white. And I said, you got to let them be in different colors. I said, it's going to look like a bridal review if they're all in white. Yeah. And they were like, no, no, it's got to be white. So, uh, so that's why I gave, like, Supergirl the little prom dress, you know, and why I gave uh, Batwoman the little, um, 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 like, slacks and a blouse. Mm -hmm. You know, because it seemed a little butch, too. You know, she's a lesbian, so I thought it would be kind of, like, sexy lipstick lesbian for her, you know. Yeah, no, um, totally. I, all my lesbian friends looked at it and said, you, yeah, you nailed it. You, you nailed the lesbian. And I was like, oh, I've never done that before. Um, but I'm bum. Anyway, <laughs> Catwoman, I'm working on Catwoman, and I was like, you know, this is due tomorrow. I'm saying this to myself, by the way. Um, again, that guy in the mirror. Uh -huh. I said, this is due tomorrow. Uh, if I don't put Catwoman in a white dress, they can't stop me. There's no time to actually change it. And I said, well, what would Selena do if all the superheroines and supervillainesses were, like, going to have this fabulous photo shoot? And they mm -hmm. didn't bother to invite her. Uh -huh. And then right before they called up and said, Selena, can you come right over? She would go to her closet and get the blackest dress she ever stole. Yep. And she would show up and have the bitchiest look on her face going, I'm here, you know. And um, I, that's probably my, you know, hey, high five moment. <laughs> like, um <laughs> The DC, you know, they, it's only a poster. It's just a bunch of girls standing around. It's not anything epic. But that little moment and the fact that DC, Dan actually did an editorial about it in DC uh, um, a month or two after the poster came out and actually talked about it. And it became this sort of like people were coming up to me like I was some kind of working class hero, mm -hmm. like, you know, making fists in the air. Like, hey, you fought the man. Hey. <laughs> you know? And I was just like going, okay, you know, and um, uh, it is it is one of those things where I'm like, okay, that was actually like a fun you know, fun little, you know, you, you can't fight City Hall, but sometimes you can. I always like to say that my job is to conspire against my employers to do a good job for them behind their back. And um, any of us who've ever worked for an art director or an editor or a company that you're going, ah, they, they don't quite know what they want. And, you know, being down in the trenches, you know, us artists and writers and stuff, we might have our fingers on the pulse of what the fans like a little bit better than the bosses sometimes. And this is one of those instances. And, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that she's there, you know, I've had I've 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 been hugged and kissed by so many Catwoman fans because uh, not only is she in it, but she's in it and she's being she's actually in character. I think it's amazing. I mean, I, I think it's it's definitely one of my p favorite pieces that you've ever done. So um, 
you know, thank you for adding her because I, I, I don't know what, I don't know what it would have looked like. I mean, I obviously I know what it would have looked like if she wasn't in it, but it just wouldn't have made any sense because she's such a prominent female character in the DC universe. Exactly, and I, I mean, I understand. I mean, you, you can understand their reasoning. To them, it was a promotional poster that they're giving away at their booth at every convention that summer. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're not promoting Catwoman, they're like, well, why does she need to be there? And I, my argument was, this poster is actually going to live longer than the summer of 2008, mm-hmm. the um, or whatever summer it was. People are going to hang it on their wall. Some of them are going to frame it, yeah. and it's going to be one of those things where, for all time, people will go and where's, you know, yeah. You know, hey, there's the Beatles. Where's Ringo? You know, it's like, um, uh, it's. It, it, I lost my thought. Oh well. Um, it's it's anyways, a, she's she's pretty important, and I'm I'm just glad yes. you put it in her, put and her well, in it. Yeah. You know, stri- strike one up for the fence. <laughs> um, this is uh. Basically, uh, we're we're kind of winding down. I have one last question for you, and I know you w- answered it during the panel, but I'm sure the people that love your work and, and your fans, for those that were not there, um, you did talk about All Star Wonder Woman and its mm-hmm. release, and um, just you know, can you can you let us know when when we can anticipate a release or it, it's it's don't don't do that. Don't anticipate its release because it's it's on it's on the shelf right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the whole All Star line has kind of come and gone, and the um, it, it doesn't really occupy a place in any of DC's plans right now. If it came out, it would just be this sort of strange, out of continuity Wonder Woman origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know DC, I'm really fortunate. DC's trying to keep me busy all the time, not just because they feel sorry for me. But they actually want to try to use me for stuff, and they've got a couple projects coming up that they're actually using me on. They're not just, you know, I used to joke that the only thing DC did was, you know, it's not so much that they wanted me to work for them, they just didn't want me to work for Marvel. <laughs> and so they would keep me working just so that I wouldn't actually go over and draw Spider-Man and the Scarlet Witch. Um, but All-Star uh, is, is sitting on a shelf. I, I, every once in a while I dust it off and do a little work on it, and hopefully someday uh, it'll, it'll come out. It's going to be my... You know, my it'll be my lost project, mm-hmm. and uh, I I put too much work into it for it to never come out. Right. And DC has always said that you know when I ever get it done, um, they'll have they'll happily publish it. It's just it's not it's not a front burner thing right now. They've they've and you know every time I go to like oh hey I'm gonna draw Steve Trevor this morning, um, they throw a cover or a poster or a statue design or. Um, um, like right now I'm working on a, I'm working on an eight page Batman story that I'm writing and drawing. Yeah. So it's like, I'm actually, you know, trying to shake the rust off and try to remember how to be an interior artist. Um, so it's every time I, I never, they never really allow me the chance to work on it cause they, they keep me really, really, really busy. But, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully someday I, I apologize if anybody was really excited about it. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't want to just put out like a half-assed version of it. It was sort of going to be my David Lean epic and, um, it'll come out someday, I promise. Oh, well, I, I, for one, definitely look forward to seeing it one day, you know, eventually, but, um, I'm sure whatever whatever the final product is, it will be awesome. No pressure. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Adam, you have been amazing for the last hour or so. I really appreciate you uh, coming on to our podcast this week and uh, joining me in, in sort of recreating what what was the WonderCon panel, which which was a fantastic experience for me. So thank you again for oh. um, asking me to moderate. And um, oh. You're, you you were wonderful, and uh, you know if you feel the need to throw a laugh track into this podcast to capture the the feel, the gales <laughs> of laughter, because I killed. I mean, I was on fire. No, I, you I, were. I, I had them rolling in the aisles. You, you were. No, you definitely did. We. I mean, you had a standing ovation by by the end by the end all, of the all forty of them, including including, including the Walking Dead kid. Yeah, um, including yeah, him. We won him over. But um, no, thank you very much for having me today, and it's been a it's been a real treat to be on Comic Fine. Thank you so much, Adam. Have a wonderful rest of the week. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Catch it. It's, it's pre-recorded. If you're a subscriber, you have access to the uh, today's live show all weekend and forever, for eternity. So, uh, But anyway, so that does it for this week's podcast. Tune in next Friday for another edition of the Comic Vine podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it, and I really, really hope that um, we were able to recapture the sort of really awesome panel that we uh, that I was able to host for Adam Hughes during WonderCon. So, again, thanks for listening, and enjoy your weekend.